Well, uh, we've had some other mail-outs, and the uh, steering committee has been meeting for a while with our capital funds campaign. But with the introduction today from our uh, co-leaders, um, co-chairman, uh, we actually uh, officially today then launch our capital stewardship uh, campaign uh, for future generations. Our leadership team has been meeting for several months. There are many, many people in the life of our church already signed up to, to be a part of various um, functioning parts of the capital campaign. Uh, there are a lot of things that will be going on and taking place. We sent some mail out, some brochures are out there. The 30-day prayer guide is there. We've also got it available for you uh, by email. So this stewardship campaign is designed to challenge us. I think Jeff pointed that out. Uh, to challenge us to learn biblical giving and to give sacrificially. And that means above our tithes and offerings and to do so for three years so that we will be able to pay down the indebtedness on the new student center. And you saw some pictures about how well the progress is coming along with that. They, they're making uh, great strides on that while it's underway. Now, when we introduced the budget uh, for this year, 2013, we said that payments for the building would be in the budget, and that's true. So some of you might be asking, why then this capital funds campaign? And also, we stressed very strongly towards the end of 2012, a tithing and that biblical commitment to tithing and maybe even challenging to take a step and give one more percent. And so why are we coming back now and asking for this money? Well, this is totally separate than what you give in your tithes and offering. And I know that some of you obviously have taken that challenge because we finished 2012 much stronger than we thought we were back in the summer. And on Prove the Tithe Sunday in November, you gave a, a Sunday offering of over $60,000. Last week, our offerings were over $45,000, and usually in January and February, we don't see that. So I'm hoping that more and more of us are learning to trust God and learning to be faithful, learning to be obedient, and doing what he tells us to do with the resources. So why are we coming now with an appeal for three years to give sacrificially? Well, the more money that we get through the capital fund campaign, the earlier we can pay down the debt on the student center, and that means we will pay less money in interest, and we don't like to pay interest, so we pay less money in interest. We will have it paid for sooner, and that will allow us then to move on to meeting some of the other needs that we have in the life of the church. That is space needs. We need some more adult classrooms. Now, when the building is completed for our students and we move them out there, uh, then that will free up about three small classrooms that we can put adults in so they can start some new work. And uh, some of them keep saying, we need a bigger classroom. Well, there's not one to be found. But if you want to move your class for growth purposes to the floor of the fellowship hall, we'll let you do that. And you can either grow it to 200 or we can take the portable petitions and we can make it into two rooms or four rooms, whatever we want. And that will provide us some space. One of the other major areas is the area of children and preschool. And um, those are significant areas because... We really need to come up to date and be in modern, uh, modern day with uh, what's going on in children's ministry today. The reason we did not do that first is because our students have never had their own place. At least for the time being, our children and preschoolers have space. Uh, but one of the biggest concerns is the major hallway, that's the major passageway from that end of the building to this end of the building, comes right through the preschool area. And that's not the safest. Now, we have taken every precaution that we can 
We will continue to do that. But that's definitely a need to do that. And if we have vision for the future, and we go from this building project to building that for preschool and children, that move would free up, in my looking at it, as I look at it, about 15 classrooms for adults. And that gives us some space to grow and to reach more people. So that's why we're into this campaign. So that we can address the indebtedness, pay it down quicker, and move on into meeting other needs in the life of our church. This student center will be state-of-the-art, and it's designed to provide worship and educational space and gathering space for our students. And the challenge before us in this now is to give sacrificially to pay for this student center. It's in the budget that will stay there, but the more we give to the capital funds campaign, not not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice for future generations, then the quicker we pay that down, the less interest we pay, and the sooner we can move on to meeting and addressing some other needs. Now, uh, making sacrifice in giving is something that maybe uh, we're not accustomed to in our culture. We haven't done a capital funds campaign since 1999. And I would say in that time from then until now, we have grown with the culture to where possessing more and holding on to more uh, is far more important to us than it ever was or should be. I mean, you even, you even got the, the television shows like uh, The Hoarders, that where you see people just hoard things. And, and more and more storage buildings are being built. And you got Storage Wars as a big-time TV show as well. And more and more people got more and more stuff, and you have to put it in the storage building. You know, when we do that, we got too much stuff. And part of the problem with us financially is, in, in our own families is, we want things, we buy them, and we get in debt, and then we can't be committed to doing what God wants us to do. And so the concept about sacrificial giving, giving above tithing and the other offerings, is somehow a struggle for us today. We don't see many examples of that, of sacrificial giving. But our consciousness has been brought to it, at least I've seen it, uh, in the aftermath of the shootings at Newtown in Connecticut. 27 were killed. 20 of them were children. And it, reports give us at least of three heroic uh, leaders in that school who sacrificed their life for the students. Principal Dawn Hawkspring and psychologist Mary Sherlock uh, tried their best to detain that intruder. And they both were shot and they lost their life. And then a 27-year-old teacher by the name of Victoria Soto stood literally as a shield between the tutor and her children to protect them, and she was shot and killed. Now, I would suggest to you, those three women knew what a sacrifice was, that they were willing to lay down their life to protect these children. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is giving up something for a greater value. Now, when I think about this, this thought went through my mind this week about the sacrificial giving and the example of this that happened at the, the school there in Newtown, Connecticut. I think that a lot of people today would say, you know what, if it really comes down to it, I'd be more inclined to lay down my life in a sacrificial act than I would be to give sacrificially of my money. That's how important things and possessions have become to far too many people in our culture today, Christians as well. We like to buy, we like to spend, we like to own, we like to hoard. And all of that affects our generosity. And we are growing, I think, as a church and creating within this church a, a culture of generosity. And this capital funds campaign 
is another step in helping us to do that. Now, we're going to look at our story today in, in the scriptures in 2 Samuel. We will find an example of where David gives us, King David, a beautiful example of sacrificial giving. And what we need to do is to pick that up, uh, reading that in uh, verse 17, and then we'll see how that story has come to that point and how it ends. In verse 17 of 2 Samuel 24, when David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall upon me and my family. On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. When Aruna looked and saw the king and his men coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Aruna said to David, Let my lord the king take whatever pleases him and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. O king, Aruna gives all this to the king. Aruna also said to him, May the Lord your God accept you. Now pay attention to what David says in response to that. Here is Aruna offering all this as, as a free gift to David. And David says, No, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. See, if you don't make a sacrifice to where it costs you something, you really haven't made a sacrificial gift. And so David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. Uh, that, that statement of David has inspired many, many, many generations of believers through the years to give sacrificially, to build buildings, church buildings for the glory of God. Now let's look at the setting of this story. Um, the story is about the fact that David, as we knew him, as he grew up through the scriptures, we first meet him that he's a shepherd boy out watching over the sheep that his father owned. Then he goes into battle against Goliath and he proves that he is, is a man of faith and, and a man of bravery and courage. And he kills Goliath with his slingshot and a stone. Then David is a man after God's own heart. And David, after the turmoil with Saul and his leadership, is anointed as the king over the people. But we also know David, who was a great warrior and able to conquer enemy forces, was a man who wasn't able to conquer all of his uh, desires, particularly in the lust area. And he sinned greatly with Bathsheba. And the result of that was there was punishment. Now, this particular setting finds that David has gotten a little older, and things are frustrating him, and, and he does not handle it well again. He gets mad and angry, and he says... I want to take a census of all the fighting men in Israel. And his closest advisor said, you know, God has told us to do that in the past. He didn't tell us to do that now. And David said, I don't care. Go get me a census of all the fighting men who are available. And so they do. And the result of that was God was not pleased. And he comes out with a form of punishment. And so God sends Gad to David and says, go and tell David. This is what the Lord says. I'm giving you three 
options, okay? At least he had a choice. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. This is found in verse 12. So Gad went to David and said to him, Shall there come upon you three years of famine in your land, or three months of fleeing from your enemies while they pursue you, or three days of plague in your land? Now, if you're faced with that choice, you've got to choose the lesser of the consequences, right? Which would you choose? Three months of famine in the land? Three, day, three months of being pursued hotly by your enemies? Or three days of plague on your land? Well, David chose door number three. He thought he would fall upon the mercy of God, that God would send you know, the, the angel for the plague and all that, and, and, and the Israelites would, would suffer, but that God would have mercy and relent. Well, that was the merciful choice to make. But in the meantime, 70,000 died while the plague was going on. And so then, while David and his leaders are in mourning about what's going on, and you heard David cry out and says, God, why are you punishing the people? They're but sheep. I'm the one who did this. Punish me instead. You know, how you like that in the classroom, that one, one person creates trouble and the whole class gets uh, penalized for that. That happened even when us old people were growing up, and I never did like that. Why all of us had to get punished. I guess it's kind of like the honor society in colleges and military academies and all that. If you know somebody's doing wrong, you're supposed to rattle them and, and tell them, you know. But David says, I, why do it to my people? I did this. And so God says to him through Gad again, he says, go up and buy Aruna's threshing floor and there make an altar to me and a sacrifice and we'll stop the plague. So David goes up. He encounters Aruna. We heard what Aruna said. And Aruna's response was, I'll give it to you. The oxen, everything else here to plow and everything that will burn and burn the oxen. And I want to do this. And David's response is classic. David says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. See, if you give a gift that doesn't cost you something, you really have not given a gift, and you've really certainly not made a sacrificial gift. You've not made a sacrificial gift. You know, you go to a convention or whatever, and, uh, uh, and, and you, get, uh, you get samples of stuff, free stuff, you know, and you bring it home, and you say, look what Daddy brought you back, and you give it to your kids. You know, that's not really a gift because it didn't cost you anything. Uh, when I was in Florence County at Elam, um, there was a group of older pastors that just took me under their wing. I was 26 years old. They took me under their wing like I was young Paul and they, uh, Paul and Timothy. And they ministered to me and they taught me a lot of different things. But I'll never forget when we were getting ready to go as a group. And, you know, we were going to have fun at the state convention. And we were rooming together, two guys in a room and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going with these guys that have been in ministry longer than I'd been in the world, you know, and all that. And, and i never forget old Burt Welch. He had a sharp tongue and he could... He could say some things he always get himself in trouble with. But, uh, but he said, now, Robert, he said, when we go to this convention, I hope you're not going to do like what a lot of guys did. And he said, I'll admit that I did the same thing. He said, you get all this stuff from the booths where you go, where they got things on display, pens and pads and books even and all this. And, and then you come home and you give it to your children. He said, I did that until I got confronted by this passage of Scripture right here. You give a gift, it doesn't cost you anything. It's not really a gift, is it? And I said, well, gee, thanks a lot, Bert. 
you know. That's what I was planning on bringing my kids back. And so, but it really got my attention. It shaped what, what I, I thought about, about with this passage and about giving. If a gift doesn't cost you anything, it's really not a gift, is it? I will not offer to God anything that has cost me nothing. So what did David do? He insisted on buying. He did buy it. He put up the altar and he made the altar and the sacrifice to God. Scripture tells us later on that when it was actual time to receive the offering for building the temple that Solomon built, that David gave so much that some scholars have said it was about a value of $60 million. Now that's quite a sacrifice even for a king to make. So we come today and we deal with this question then. You're sitting there saying, okay, you've already challenged us. We need to give the tithe 10%. If we can give a 1% over that. We've got mission offerings that we're asked to give to and support missions. And now you're coming back and asking me to be sacrificial on top of that and give more? Why should I give sacrificially? Well, I'm not a king like David. I don't have those kinds of resources. Well, I want you to know we're challenged by David's sacrifice. And what's the significance of sacrificial giving? I think if we understand that, then we understand how we can better pray about participating in this capital funds campaign and doing this to the glory of God. We're not just building a building. And I hope you don't think that that's the end uh, uh, of something magical about student ministry that we build a building. It is, it is a tool that God will use for student ministry. But I want to give you about five reasons uh, why sacrificial giving is significant. First of all, sacrificial giving honors the Lord Jesus Christ who sacrificed everything for us. C.T. Studd was a missionary from many years back uh, in the Far East, and he said this, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice is too great for me to give to him. Uh, Jesus is God. He died for you. Therefore, no sacrifice that you make could be too big. See, Jesus left the glories and the splendor and even the honor of heaven to come to earth and die on the cross for our sins. He sacrificed his life for us. He made the ultimate sacrifice. When we give sacrificially, we honor him. The second reason is sacrificial giving reveals what we really value. What do you value most in life? We used to say, show me your checkbook and your calendar and I'll tell you what you value in life. Well, most people today don't use checkbooks. So it would simply be, okay, show me your bank statement and your calendar. And you tell you, I'll tell you what you value. And that's true. You know, we give our money and our time to what we really value. What about the kingdom of God? What about the church that represents the portion of the kingdom of God here? How much do you really value it? How much do you love that? Now, Jesus kind of put it all together in Matthew 6, 21, when he said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, that building is not asking how much do you value a building out here, but it's how much do you value the student ministry of Spring Valley Baptist Church for our current students and for the generations yet to come. Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Do you love God and his kingdom above any selfish desire? Number three, sacrificial giving allows God to mature us as believers. See, when we give sacrificially, then that means that we let go of some things that we have valued and that we have uh, really prized and that we hold dearly as something that's 
of substantial worth to us. But when we make that sacrificial gift and we give it, we are learning more and more to trust in God to meet our needs. And that's how God works one way, that he works in our life to help mature us as believers. We're called by Jesus to take up our cross daily and to follow after him. A discussion we had earlier this week, I was talking to Jeff Wheeler, uh, our co-chair for this, and I mentioned some of these points I was going to go over, and Jeff said, let me give you an insight into that. That, 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 That's somewhere back in a capital funds campaign he heard. For you to take up the cross, you have to put something down. I never thought of it that way before. If you're going to make a sacrificial gift, that means you've got you to put something down that you value. Give up something that you value so you can make that gift to God. Number four, sacrificial giving allows us to reflect the image of God. There's so many character traits about God. But one of the ones that we need to understand is that God is a, a giving God. And he gives generously to us. Everything we have comes from God. I believe that. There are those who argue about that and say, you know, I work hard to get what I have. You know, it's God who gave you the ability to do that. God who gave you the job. Therefore, everything comes from God. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And we are most like God when we're giving. I don't know whether it's in the final session, Dan, about uh, uh, financial peace with Dave Ramsey, but in one of them, he talks about the fact that the main reason that we need to give isn't because God needs us to, but because we need to give because that's a, an image of God that we can certainly reveal when we give. Not a whole lot of other ways that we can reveal or reflect the image of God, but we can when we give. And number five, sacrificial giving allows God to do more than we realize when we give. You see, I look out there where that building is going up. And I look at it every day, and once a week I take a picture and send out a, a tweet to tell you where the progress is on that. Some of two or three of you picked it up and you retweeted it. But uh, it, to me, I keep wondering, what all is God going to do in this building? How many, how many students are going to come through that building and the ministry of our student ministry and give their lives to Christ? How many of them are going to be called to be missionaries? How many of them are going to be called to be pastors? How many of them are going to grow up and be Christian businesswomen and Christian businessmen and serve God through a local church? You see, when David went up to buy Aruna's threshing floor, he probably wasn't even thinking about the fact that many, many, many years before that, you remember the story where God challenged Abraham to take Isaac and go up on the Mount Moriah and sacrifice his son? And God intervened as Abraham was being faithful. He tied Isaac onto the, to the altar. And poor kid had to even take the wood up. Remember, He even had to carry the wood up to the mountain on which he was going to be sacrificed. And he said, Dad, here's the wood, here's the altar, and that. He said, where's the sacrifice? And God provided the ram. All that a foretaste of what God would do in bringing Jesus Christ to die for our sins. When David bought that threshing floor, I don't know if he knew what was going to happen or not. But that was the exact spot where years later, the great temple of Solomon would be built. We look over in 2 Chronicles 3.1. And it says, Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. It was on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite, the place provided by David. 
He said, when we give sacrificially to build this building, we're not just saying when the building is complete and your three-year commitment of sacrificial giving is over, that, that it's all over. No. We don't know what God's going to do with that building and the people who will come and the families who will come as a result of reaching students in Northeast Columbia. All of that is a part of God's plan. See, our sacrificial giving will allow us to, to build this building and pay it off sooner. But you have to understand that building is just a resource to use in student ministry. That's why the theme for our capital stewardship campaign is for future generations. You see, there are some of these students who are seniors in high school now, and you'll get to have some events in it before you leave and go to college or wherever you're going. But then there are others coming along behind them who will benefit from that nice state-of-the-art building. Then there are others of you who have children in younger age groups that in time to come, they will be a part of that student ministry, and they will enjoy the benefits of that building. And then we don't know the people out here who are yet to come to Spring Valley whose students will be a part of that ministry and how they will bring people in to the other areas in the life of our church and make this church stronger and allow us to do more ministry and reach more people. So we can't see into the future and know what all God's going to do, but we can play our part in it right now up front. Now, on March 10th, we'll all have the opportunity to make our commitment, our pledge for three years to our future, for future generation stewardship capital campaign to reduce the debt. Those commitments are for three years. And mind you again, they are above your regular tithes and regular offerings. And the question would be, you're going to ask, well, what's a sacrificial gift? How much do I have to give for it to be a sacrificial gift? How large does my gift have to be? I can't tell it to you in dollars because everybody has different amounts of resources. But I would tell you this. It just has to be big enough to be sacrificial. And you have to pray about that and decide that as a family. It has to be large enough to be sacrificial. You've got to lay it down if you want to pick up the cross and follow after Christ. Now, let me tell you about what Cookie and I have talked about and prayed about in this. We've been here for 24 years as pastor and wife. We've seen our four children I grow up and come through the life of this church. They didn't benefit from that building, but they benefited through children's ministry and then student ministry, and, and they are all involved in ministry today. And I know we could not be any more blessed than we are. Uh, we've participated in every capital fund campaign, and we've given sacrificially, and that's providing school stuff and braces for all four of them and dance and ball and all of that and that. And in the midst of some of these things, we've uh, paid for two weddings on our part for a son getting married. And, um, you know, God still blessed us. We give the 10% tithe and a little bit more off of our gross income. Not the net, but also the gross. And that goes to the tithe as, a, as, a, as twice a month we give that uh, as a tithe off of our income. And I cannot tell you how much God has blessed us in the 37 years of our marriage. But I have learned this, you cannot outgive God. Every need has been met and he has supplied everything that we've needed and more. And so as we've prayed about this, we know that we will remain faithful to giving the 10% and a little bit more off of our gross income. And then we're going to make some sacrificial gifts to this church. And how are we going to go about doing that? Well, it's going to require sacrifice. We're going to give up some things. 
I've already dropped my golf club membership at Fort Jackson, so I'll save that money, and that'll go towards our campaign. I dropped my membership at Gold's Gym, so you might see me getting to be a bigger person, okay? I dropped my membership to a hunt club. That's another expense I can cut out. Now, I love to read. Now, I took dozens of magazines, all kinds, sports, golf, wildlife, South Carolina Wildlife, beautiful magazine, and Reader's Digest was always my favorite. From the time I learned to read, I read Reader's Digest every month. Well, I've given up all those subscriptions. There are a couple of them maybe that still come, but when they run out, they're not getting renewed. I'm giving up all of that. Um, Cookie and I have decided that uh, the house is turning 17 years old this year, and there were some things we wanted to do, uh, but we're going to delay some of those things on the house. Uh, and it's always been our dream, in particular Cookies, because she grew up on a horse farm, that when we moved out there on six and a half acres of land at Tylerwood, that one day, maybe when all the children got grown and gone, that we would have the opportunity to fence portions of it in and have horses and we could ride again. We've had them at different stages twice in our married life. We've had the, the horses. We gave them up when we were bringing up our children and that, but we were hoping to do that. So that's going to have to be put on hold as well. I also imagine that somewhere in this three-year period of time, we'll have another wedding. And I really want somebody to tell me how it got changed from the biblical concept that every expense of a wedding was on the groom and his family to where it became Mr. Bride's family's expense. Now, I don't understand that. We've already gone through that twice with that. And I tell you, we've done it once with a groom's side, and that's a whole lot easier than it is being on the bride's side. So we've got one more of those to go. And we're going to pray and hope that our cars will hold up and that we can patch them and repair them if they break down and we can keep on uh, driving those. Now, you ask me, well, how much are you giving? I'm going to tell you this. We're going to make a gift that's large enough to be a sacrifice for us. So I challenge you to pray about that and to look at what you're holding tightly that perhaps you can give up and do without so you can make a commitment to the student ministry at Spring Valley Baptist Church. If you haven't picked up the prayer guide, there's some in the atrium. Use that every day. Uh, we also have it for convenience for you. It's being emailed to you. It goes out somewhere around 4.30, 5 o'clock every morning, just in time for your quiet time, isn't it? <laughs> but the main thing is to pray about that and have a spirit of being used of God and a sacrificial attitude about the things that God has given to you that you can use for his glory. My hope and my prayer is that we would be united as a church in this and that we would all make a commitment. We've all been blessed, different levels, I understand that, but we've all been blessed and we can all make some kind of sacrifice, put off some purchase for three years to give to the glory of God for this capital funds campaign. So I want to ask you to, to be in prayer about what God would lead you to do as a sacrificial gift. And as you do that, know that you're investing in the lives of students yet to come. You're being obedient to what God wants you to do. And you're showing forth the image of God as a giving God. I want you to pray with me. Right now, I want you to just take just a moment or two and uh, offer up a prayer from your heart to ask God to begin that process in you of revealing to you what it would mean for you to give a sacrificial gift.
Father, our prayer together as a church is that we would so open our hearts and our lives before you that you would reveal to us uh, your heart of giving and convict us of the need to be sacrificial givers for your glory in this building campaign, this building purpose, so that we will reach people, young people, with the message of Jesus Christ. Help us to have that sacrificial mindset as we surrender our lives to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, who gave it all for us. Amen. As we